0: Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the Button Books, Book 3, Chapter 6 podcast. Tony has made a new friend in young Schwarzkopf. Wikipedia tells us, says Swim, said the Mummerfishy, that the Junkers were members of the landed nobility in Prussia. It's probably pronounced Junkers or something. Junker, oh it is. They owned great estates that were maintained and worked by peasants with few rights. I reckon that it is the mid 1840s in the book. Throughout the 1840s, many German states were under pressure from nationalist and liberal demonstrators who wanted greater political representation and reform. German monarchs such as Prussia's King Frederick William IV feared they would lose power and influence, and apparently also the nobility, the clergy, and the Junkers. This pressure meant that what the Koningsberg News and the Gazette are reporting on. Okay, that's what (coughs) is this greater newspaper or news source that uh, Young Schwarzkopf... What was Young Schwarzkopf's name? I'm just going to keep saying Young Schwarzkopf. Um, what they were referring to. Zok said... A voice inside her said... "In, uh, a vo- But a voice inside her said, putting on airs, one finds oneself among strangers, shows oneself from one's best side, chooses one's words, and tries to please. That's quite normal. The words... Repeated from the cons- Council's defence of Grunlich 3.1, maybe the beginning of Tony becoming disillusioned with her station, seeing the parallels between the way Grunlich acts that repulses her so, and the way others of her social class are taught to behave, including herself. Pronunciation Corner, says Zirk. Since Andrew, at the beginning of the podcast, asked how to pronounce Travamunday. He's on list. Oh, I'm scared to actually do this. I'm actually scared. Okay, so how am I... M- what the heck? Travamunday. 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 Okay, that's not too far off. Okay, how am I pronouncing Buddenbrooks wrong? Buddenbrooks. 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 I'm not even saying the name of the book right. Buddenbrooks. All right. Liebrecht. What's that one? Liebrecht. Liebrecht. Wasn't too far off that. I've westernized it a little bit, but that's all right. Jungmann. Jungmann. Yeah, perfect. Kroger. Kroger. Yeah, close enough. Joschen. Jochen. 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 Okay. And Schwarzkopf. Schwartzkopf. Schwarzkopf Alright, I feel like some of them are way off Trövermund and Buddenbrooks The other ones were just sort of an Aussie accent And a Westernized version, I'm happy with that TechRific says Ah, a summer morning at the Baltic seaside Brings back childhood memories for me A rainy morning that turns into a sunny run Breakfasts on the porch, pure nostalgia Anyhoots, Tony seems a little smitten by young Schwarzkopf How will it unfold? Prediction, this will be the smallest of footnotes in the book of memories for Tony, but perhaps a happy and sunny one. A memory that can sustain a soul in darker times. Mm, Something she might hearken back to later on. Wondering um, how it all went so wrong. Or maybe yearning for a simpler, more seaside life. Uh, Alright, thanks for the comments everybody. Thank you for correcting my pronunciation. Probably still mess it up, because (laughs) the words look so foreign to me that they don't just sort of naturally come out. Um, Alright, what are we up to here? Chapter 7. Goes like this. She had put on her big straw hat and she raised her sunshade, for it was very hot. Though there was a little sea breeze... Young Schwartzkopf, in his grey felt book in hand, walked beside her and sometimes gave her a shy side glance. They went along the front and walked through the garden of the Kurhaus, which lay there in the sun, shadeless and still, with its rose bushes and pebbly paths. The music pavilion, hidden among pine trees, stood opposite the Kurhaus, the pastry cooks and the two Swiss cottages, which were connected by a long gallery. It was about half past eleven, and the hotel guests were probably down on the beach. They crossed the playground, where there were many benches and a large swing, passed close to the building where one took the hot baths, and strolled slowly across the Lechtenfeld. The sun brooded over the grass, and there rose up a spicy smell from the warm weeds and clover. Blue bottle flies buzzed and droned about, a dull, booming roar came up from the ocean whose waters now and then lifted a crested head of spray in the distance. What is that you're reading? Tony asked. The young man took the book in both hands and ran it quickly through from cover to cover. Oh, that is nothing for you, Fraline Buddenbrook. Nothing but blood and entrails and such awful things. This part treats of nodes in the lungs, what we call pulmonary cauteria. The lungs get filled up with a watery fluid, which is a very dangerous condition. It occurs in inflammation of the lungs. In bad cases, the patient simply chokes to death, and that is all described with perfect coolness from a scientific point of view. Oh horrors! But if one wants to be a doctor, I will see that you become our family physician. When old Grabau retires, you'll see. Ha! And what are you reading, if I may ask, Faraline Buddenbrook? And do you know Hoffman? Tony asked. "'About the choir master and the gold pot? "'Yes, that's very pretty. "'But it is more for ladies. "'Men want something different, you know.' "'I must ask you one thing,' Tony said, "'taking a sudden resolution after they had gone a few steps. "'And that is, do, I beg you, tell me your first name. "'I haven't been able to understand it a single time I've heard it, "'and it is making me dreadfully nervous. "'I've simply been racking my brains. "'I have quite.' "'You have not been racking your brains.' Now, don't make it worse. I'm sure it couldn't have been proper for me to ask, only I'm naturally curious. There's really no reason whatever why I should know. Why, my name is Morton, said he, and became redder than ever. Morton, that is a nice name. Oh, nice. Yes, indeed. At least it's prettier than to be called something like Hins or Kunz. It is unusual. It sounds foreign. You are romantic, Fraulein Buddenbrook. You have read too much Hoffman. My grandfather was half-Norwegian and I was named after him. That's all there is to it. Tony picked her way through the rushes on the ground of the beach. In front of them was a row of round-topped wooden pavilions and beyond. They could see the basket chains at the water's edge and people camped by families on the warm sand. Ladies with blue sun spectacles and Books out of the lone library, gentlemen in light suits, idly drawing pictures in the sand with their walking sticks, sunburnt children in enormous straw hats, tumbling about, shoveling sand, digging for water, baking with wooden moulds, paddling bare-legged in the shallow pools, floating little ships, to the right the wooden bathing pavilion, ran out into the water. "'We're going straight across to Mullendorf's Pier,' said Tony. "'Let's turn off.' "'Certainly.' "'but don't you want to meet your friends? "'I can sit yonder on those boulders. "'Well, I suppose I ought to just greet them. "'But I don't want to, you know. "'I came here to be in peace and quiet.' "'Peace? From what?' "'Why, from... from... "'Listen, Feraline Buddenbrook, "'I must ask you something. "'No, I'll wait till another day, till we have more time. "'Now I will say au revoir and go and sit down there on the rocks.' "'Don't you want me to introduce you, then?' "'Tony asked, importantly. "'Oh, no,' Morton said hastily. "'Thanks, but I... Don't fit in very well with those people, you see. I'll just sit down over there on the rocks. It was a rather large company which Tony was approaching while Morton Schwarzkopf betook himself to the great heap of boulders on the right near the bathing house and washed by the waves. The party was encamped before the Mollendorfs' pier and was composed of the Mollendorff, Hagenstrom, Kistenmarker and Fritsch families. Except for her Fritsch, the owner from Hamburg and Peter Dolman, The Idler. The group consisted of women, for it was a weekday, and most of the men were in their offices. Consul Fritch, an elderly, smooth-shaven gentleman with a distinguished face, was up on the open pier, busy with a telescope which he trained upon a sailboat visible in the distance. Peter Dolman, with a broad-brimmed straw hat and a beard with a nautical cut, stood, chatting with the ladies perched on camp stools or stretched out on rugs on the sand. There were Frau Senatif Mollendorf Born Langold with her long handled long and untidy grey hair, Frau Hagenstrom with Jolchen, who had not grown much, but already wore diamonds in her ears like her mother. Frau Consul Kishmecker and her daughters, and Frau Consul Frischt. A wrinkled little lady in a cap who performed the duties of hospitality at the bath and went about perpetually hot and tired, thinking only about balls and routs and raffles, children's parties and sailboat excursions at a little distance sat her paid companion. Kistenmacher and Son was the new firm of wine merchants which had in the last few years managed to put C.F. Coppen rather in the shade. The two sons, Edouard and Stefan. "'worked in the father's office. "'Consul Dolman possessed none of these graces of manner "'upon which Justus Kroger laid with such stress. "'He was an idler, pure and simple, "'whose special characteristic was a sort of rough, good humour. "'He could, and did, take a good many liberties in society, "'being quite aware that his loud, brusque voice and bluff ways "'caused the ladies to set him down as an original. "'Once at a dinner,' At the Buddenbrooks, when a course failed to come in promptly, and the guests grew dull and the hostess flustered, he came to the rescue and put them into a good humour. By bellowing in his big voice the whole length of the table, Please don't wait for me, Frau Console. just now, in this same reverberating voice, he was relating questionable anecdotes seasoned with low German idioms, Frau Senator Mollendorf, in paroxysms of laughter, was crying out over and over again, Stop her, Dolman, stop. For heaven's sake, don't tell any more. They greeted Tony, the Hagenstroms coldly, and others with great cordiality. Consul Fritz even came down the steps of the pier, for he hoped that the Buddenbrooks would return next year to swell the population of the baths. "'Yours to command, Fräulein Buddenbrook,' said Consul Dolman, with his very best pronunciations, for he was aware that Mademoiselle did not especially care for his manners. "'Mademoiselle Buddenbrook, you here? "'How lovely. "'When did you come? "'What a sweet frock. "'Where are you stopping?' "'At the Schwarzkopf's. "'With the pilot-captain. "'How original. "'How frightfully original. "'You are stopping in the town?' asked Consul Fritcht, the owner of the baths. "'He did not betray that he felt the blow.' Will you come to our next assembly? his wife asked. Oh, you are only here for a short time. This from another lady. Don't you think, darling, the Woodenbrooks rather give themselves airs? Frau Hagenstrom whispered to Frau Centaur, Senator Molendorf. Have you been in yet? somebody asked. Which of the rest of you hasn't bathed yet, young ladies? Marie, Julie, Louise? Your friends will be go bathing with you, of course, Frau Aline and Tony. Some of the young girls rose and Peter Dolman insisted on accompanying them up to the beach. Do you remember how we used to go back and forth to school together? Tony asked Julie Hagenstrom. Yes, and you were always the one that got into mischief, Julie said, joining her in laugh joining in her laugh. They went across the beach on a footbridge made of a few boards and reached the bathhouse. As they passed the boulders where Morton Schwarzkopf sat, Tony nodded to him from a distance, and somebody asked, "'Who is that you are bowing to, Tony?' "'That was young Schwarzkopf,' Tony answered. "He walked down here with me.'" "'The son of the pilot, Captain,' Jolson asked, and peered across at Morton with her staring black eyes. He, on his side, watched the gay troop with rather a melancholy air. Tony said in a loud voice, "'What a pity August is not here. It must be stupid on the beach.'" Oh, that's the end of the chapter. All right, there we go. That snuck up on me because the end of that chapter was the very end of the page, so it looked like it continued for another page. But it didn't. So there you go, chapter seven. Thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.